This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we are overreacting, overreacting to week one. There's no, there's no logical reaction to week one. It's only one week of football. We're early in the season, and everything needs to be taken as an overreaction. But everything's always worth noting. We always want to create context here. But first, Corey with the news. And heading into week one here, it's not like we got a bunch of news updates. So I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of an update on some of the injuries going around. Um, Starting off at Arkansas, where running back Raheem Sanders is starting practice limited. There's actually reports out there that he didn't do like anything. This might, you know, help explain a bit of like a lethargic performance on Saturday. I want to say I sent you a message during the day. I was like, he looks like he's 242. So (laughs) I'm hoping that this is probably the reason why he looked like that. But I am starting to get just slightly concerned about that weight. So let's just see how it goes for the rest of the season. Nothing to, to concern ourselves with yet. Um, heading over to South Carolina, where Antoine Wells re-aggravated his injury during the game. But he's already back practicing this week, so it's like it seems like he's likely to go again this week and give it a shot. But I'm I'm not playing him in any in any of my leagues. I'm not I'm not going to trust it. it. Seems like something that's that could easily re-aggravate. Um, heading over to Cal, where quarterback Sam Jackson was injured in their game. Uh, I'm not sure what the injury was. I think upper body, but he's deemed day to day for now. OSU head coach Ryan Day says Kyle McCord is going to start again in week two, but we are going to see a little bit more of Devin Brown, which uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I'm really hoping we see a little bit more of Devin Brown than that. Um, Heading over to Kansas, where quarterback Jalen Daniels, he didn't play last weekend. He is expected to start this Friday, so hopefully we'll see him. Uh, Over at Tennessee, Squirrel White left the game on Saturday, but apparently could have returned, so maybe nothing to worry about there. And then over at Texas, we're running back Cedric Baxter, teased us with a nice run and then left with a rib injury, unfortunately. Still waiting for status updates on that. And guys, be sure to head over to the website at campus2can.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides, weekly CFF projections, uh, advanced metric tools, and the debut of our brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with CFB Winning Edge to help bring you guys the amazing in-depth work on school depth charts, statistical projections, returning projections, uh, game spread projections, all your all for all you betters out there, all the good stuff. So make sure you guys check out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel every Saturday from here on out throughout the season to make sure you're catching our pre-show in the morning on Saturdays called the tailgate. You guys will be going through start-sit questions, keeping you up to date on all the news heading into the games, going over betting tips. Uh, we'll also be bringing you a little Debbie preview from, he, from me and Mike here every morning as well. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked with Campus to Canton to help you guys through the season. Football is back and everyone loves to overreact. I mean, it's, it's week one. I mean, we're all overreacting. What's not an overreaction, Corey, is the amount of savings you get by putting the promo code CAMPUS, the number two in Canton, in for your home field apparel. This this company makes retro – first off, everyone's using Vintage now across the whole board course. So I hope you've caught that. Vintage is now allowed as soon as I stopped using it. So I'm going <laughs> – so anyway, home field apparel makes retro vintage uh, athletic apparel. It's pretty awesome stuff. You buy like 15 shirts and you get like at least one free with 15% off. I'm not sure how that math works out, but you get – you get some massive savings, dude. Who doesn't love home field apparel? Football is back. Go ahead and capitalize mm-hmm. on that by buying yourself some home field apparel with the promo code CAMPUS, the number two in Canton. Now, going back to the actual overreactions, we're going to go game by game here. 
well, we're gonna go like by conference. We, I, just, I didn't know how to organize this thing. I started writing down a massive. Mike's all, Mike's all over the place on this show sheet. Just try to stick with us a little bit, guys. Massive amount of notes. I try to organize <laughs> it by conference during non-conference weeks. So, good luck with that. All right, let's start off with UCLA. Dante Moore came in to relieve Ethan Garbers. I I, I love that. He looked much better than Ethan Garbage. Uh, and Jamie Gosturvin came came alive. Five for nine for one thirty-six and one. Uh, the real storyline for me here, though, is uh, the touch split between TJ Harden and uh, Carson Steele. Both of them had 76 yards. One of them had 10 attempts. The other one had 13 attempts. So pretty split down the even. But Carson Steele was the one used in the receiving role. So, Corey, what's your thoughts on the split there? Yeah, you know, I was looking a little bit at the at the advanced metrics of them, too. Um, you know, you, you spoke about their their stat lines already. Steele had more yards after contact, about two more yards after contact, forced three missed force tackles compared to one for TJ Harden. Um, Steele had the four catches as well to Harden's one catch. Um, so Steele got a lot more of a workload than I expected uh, coming into this game because it seemed like TJ Harden was going to get a lot more run. But after seeing how he was using this game, and I thought he looked – okay too to be honest i don't see any reason to to kind of change this at all so it's possible it's just going to continue like a split like this down back half now i will say um when they started carson Steele was like the first guy on the field and seemed like the guy at least early on um and then tj Harden started getting some more after so coming into this game it seemed like carson Steele was the starter to me and i thought he did well with his touches I was pretty, like, from the reports we were hearing from camp, I was actually kind of impressed with how Carson Steele transitioned from G5 to P5. So, um, yeah, and I'm with you. I don't really see a need for them to to change up what they do. It feels like Chip Kelly is kind of slow to adjust anyway as a coach. He doesn't really like to adjust like that. So, I can imagine this continuing for the rest of the season, and that's a little bit annoying. All right, looking over back at Dante Moore. I know I mentioned him earlier and got too excited to talk about the running backs, but Dante Moore came in 7 for 12, 143 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Eight out of 12, or 14.5. Like, love that, dude. I mean, he had one turnover, turnover-worthy play, and it did end up being a pick, but, I mean, he looked much better than Ethan Garber. They actually got the ball moving with him. Like, I, I think, I hope we see him more next week. Yeah, I was not impressed with Garbers at all, to be honest with you. And I thought Dante looked really well for freshman. You talked about the one turnover-worthy play. He threw the pick in the end zone where he was getting, like, pressure, and he just kind of, like, threw it up. I think that's just, like, a freshman mistake. He's going to have to learn to throw that away instead of trying to toss it up to somebody expecting it to be somewhere. I thought he had good pocket presence. Like, when he was moving around, he was kind of resetting his feet before he would throw again. That was one thing I noticed in his in his, in his his uh, high school tape as well. So it was nice to see that transition over here, poised as well. Um, you know, I, I think it's just the under pressure things that I kind of want to see as, as the season goes on, how he continues to deal with that, you know, like we saw with the one turnover worthy play, but uh, yeah, really good start for him here. And if he isn't starting next week, I think there's a big problem here. A Chip Kelly size problem. Sure. <laughs> uh, going over to, uh, just down the road there, let's go to USC. Uh, Again, like hey, whoa, whoa! You this. don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about my boy J. Michael Sturdivant at all. I mean, come on, I, he's a year he, one zero. You know how I feel about that. He I'm looked, not, he not. looked great. Nice sideline oh. catches, deep over the top. Hey, Dante Moore threw him just the absolute perfect pass over the defender. He got to step on the defender. He was constantly getting deep in this game. Um, that connection, man, might might blow up this year. To be honest with you, so I, I'm really liking the way he's fitting in this offense. I think he's he's going to be a sneaky draft riser next year. I. Okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not out on day two. I just don't know what the ceiling is, and I'm just not really excited about the ceiling, only because of the whole year one zero theory. Is he gonna is he gonna beat it? Is he that DK Jarvis he might be. level player? He might be. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. 
we we pick we pick unicorns all the time well when we're drafting or whatever right we don't always yeah. stick to our to stick firmly to everything you know maybe this is just one guy that i'm going outside the box a little bit all right well we are overreacting to a power five team dunking on a g5 team but that's okay yeah, so we're here we're here for it's week one yeah exactly it's yeah. Week one. <laughs> all right let's send it over to usc uh uh, I just reiterating again, the real talent in this room are the freshmen. I, I don't, I didn't write down on my sheet what Dorian Singer did or what Brendan Rice did. I believe they did like almost about the same, except for one caught a touchdown. So I believe it was like for 37, 38 yards for both of them. But again, who cares? Deuce Robinson and Zachary Brands become the first two true freshmen to beat the year one zero theory. The first two. Really, they're only two weeks into their season. So Deuce had one long catch for 71 yards and a touchdown. Branch caught one of three of his targets for 22 yards and one touchdown. Makai Lemon getting involved. And this is where I really want to talk about. So I'm still concerned about him. I mean, three for 13. Is this, are they like forcing the ball and he just can't do anything with it? Is he just not creative on his own yet? Is he still adjusting the play speed? I don't know. I was at least happy to see the volume, three catches. So, I mean, we're 30% way there to to break that year one zero, which, you know, in, in week two, that's, that's a pretty good uh, trajectory already. And, I don't know. I feel like, you know, he had a slow spring as well, dealing with a little bit of injuries. Maybe he's just taking some time to get caught up to it as well. So I'm not too worried about it right now. I just think, you know, there's a Zachariah Branch is a guy that's easy to to scheme plays towards. Deuce Robinson is a big guy. You know, even he missed most of his targets outside of one big ass play. So, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. I, I know this is an overreaction week, but I'm not overreacting to Makai Lemon's like lack of, of dynamic playmaking ability here. You know, I'm still happy with the fact that he's at least getting the volume. Going over to the running back room, Quentin Joyner. I mean, I'm still looking at Quentin Joyner and him. His little bit of efficiency there. I mean, he's only gotten a handful of touches each time. Again, this is just Nevada. But, like, I, I'm pretty excited about the running backs here. I, I know Marshawn Lloyd came to life here, too. Please don't fall for that trap, guys. Don't don't fall for it. <laughs> don't fall for it. I was gonna have, I was gonna ask you about what you what you felt about it because honestly, it really did seem like Marshawn was the lead guy in this game at least. You know, seven for seventy six and a touchdown on the ground, two for fifty nine through and a touchdown through the air. Austin Jones only had two rushes in this game. Uh, I'm not sure if he was dealing with anything there or if it was just a Marshawn thing. You know, they they rode the hot hand. Um, are you still feeling like he's not going to be RB1 of this team? Because I, I don't know. He he definitely, to me, looks like he's more dynamic than Austin Jones. I'm not saying that, you know, he's a bona fide Debbie asset, everything. I just think he's probably the better back in this backfield. No, I, I think Marshawn Lloyd can take over the backfield. I think I admitted defeat on that early in the offseason after yeah. my egregious uh, Austin Jones' RB1 take back in like March. But <laughs> but uh, I just, I still don't, like, I still don't want the Debbie me to overreact to it. I just, it's just a trap. It's like Jalen Berger keeps coming back for some reason. Like this, it's just a trap. Yeah, and with Quentin Joyner too. Like he, if he continues this pace and he keeps looking like this, like I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes for the running back two spot at some point this year. Especially with Austin Jones only getting two rushes here. Like I know maybe like they once they start getting out of hand, they start just going to the young guys or whatever. But you know, through two games, Joyner averaging almost nine yards after contact forcing eight missed tackles on only nine attempts. But, I mean, we're almost talking about one for one there. You know, it's extremely small sample size. But I think Joyner's flashing the way we would have hoped, at least this early into the season. Yeah, and, you know, if he keeps this up by next year, because Marshall will probably leave, and Austin Jones is definitely going to be leaving too. Like, this is going to be a guy that will be taking over the backfield next year. And that's going to be a, you know, I, I can imagine now the CFF team calling him a, a top 30, like RB next year. I just want to quickly touch up on Cal. We don't want to go into detail with them, but – uh Sam Jackson got hurt. Obviously, we talked about that early in the news. 
Jaden Ott, I actually thought looked good right down the middle. PFF didn't really credit him with right down the middle too often. But <laughs> if you watch him, like he operates really well in traffic there. Again, it's it's uh, power five versus G5. So I, like you shouldn't be elevated. Like these guys are already studs. We know they're good. We know they're starters. We shouldn't really take this as like a huge elevation for them. Like I'm not going to move any of these guys in my rankings. But it's really good to see like confirmation that these guys are still good. And that was our big knock on last year was just it wasn't good in traffic. So seeing us a G5 team a little bit more excited for how they play against other power five teams. And this offense literally was humming. It literally was doing pretty well. And then of course, Jeremiah Hunter, I'm a fan of. He was six for eight for 64 and one and was operated really well over the middle. So that's it for Cal. Do you have anything you want to say about Cal, Corey? No, Hunter looks like he's going to maintain that role. I was worried coming into this year how that volume was going to look for him. I can't. I don't know how the game worked, how much he got with Jackson compared to the other guy. It wasn't a game that I watched super closely. Um, so I'm not sure if, if that volume came from the other guy. So hopefully it's still going to be there with Jackson. I was a little bit worried about his passing. But then looking at Jay Nam, and I was showing you that rushing chart from PFF. Like all his yards came off of like one gap the entire game. So it was just like they just kept pounding and pounding this gap. And everything else is like three to four yards. So yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how he does next week. Uh, I think he's playing Auburn next week. If I'm not mistaken, it's going to be a little bit of a stiffer matchup. See how, see how he looks there. And if he can kind of continue this rushing efficiency. Because yeah, outside that one big game last year, he really didn't play very well uh, throughout the entire season. We were low on him coming into this year so this is this is a good start for him yeah i hope it's not the arizona game all over again now he just it's gonna be like meh the whole time yeah uh let's talk about that big blockbuster game that happened colorado oh yeah shadur sanders throwing for 500 yards they had three separate 100 yard wide receivers and then one running back with also 100 yards um talk to me about shadur what do you think about him yeah you know i just i I thought he had to settle in a little bit you know i thought he got better kind of as the game kind of progressed um you know there are a few things i'll say with him like you know i don't think his pocket presence is the greatest he does kind of back up a little bit or go to the side i want to see him climb it a little bit more ended up uh in five sacks and through this entire game the the offensive line is not the greatest as well but they actually did impress me a little bit um sometimes a little bit of a wobbly ball doesn't always hold the tightest spiral but i will say man like he made the right decisions in this game he was accurate pff only credited him with one turnover worthy play he was 10.8 a dot i mean he operated this offense really well, and I think it was a better debut than any of us could have expected. Yeah, but do you think he's Debbie relevant? Like that's you, it's, it's only week one. We're overreacting, so go ahead and give like a solid answer. Like, do you think he's off Debbie of one relevant? game? I'm not going to say that because if even if you watch this game, how many small plays turned into huge plays for him? You know, like a dump off to Dylan Edwards. He took up the sideline like like three times in this game for like. 60 yards, 40 yards, 30 yards. It was a lot of that. I thought he played really well. I'm not ready to say anything. Like, I don't think TCU's defense is that good either. Uh, they, they certainly yeah, didn't look like up. a very good team. I was going to bring Yeah, they, they, they did not look like a good team in this game. So I think I still need to see a little bit more from Sanders as the season goes on to kind of see how he how he deals with, you know, maybe a little bit more pressure. Maybe when things aren't working so easy, can he, can he you know, kind of slice and dice the defense like I want to see? But either way, very good start. You should see the offers I'm getting for Shadur Sanders in my leagues. I had a Braylon Allen manager like ask me straight up, and I'm like, yes, please. And I know he's waiting for all the shows this week to go through before he makes his decision. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like wrote off Sean Lewis's impact on this offense. It just looks so tiny. But like, I don't know. Like that offensive line looked really solid. They kept him really clean in the pocket. TCU's all defense looked terrible at like yeah. all levels of the field. They looked just dysfunctional. Um, and then, like you said, a lot of those big plays are more from the receivers on the ground rather than himself. I think uh, PFF has him credited with three big-time throws. Yeah, so it, it looked like, to me, I thought it was a lot of offensive scheming. I still think he's a really accurate quarterback. I think I said that during his spring game. 
He's not really yeah. an anticipatory thrower. He has a seat open before he really releases that. He looks unathletic when he comes out of the pocket. Oh, yeah. Pocket. yeah. When he was trying to get the edge a couple of times there, it looked it looked pretty slow. I was actually surprised. I thought he I thought he had a little more athleticism to him. But maybe we're just overreacting, you know, off of one game. But we'll, we'll see how that progresses as the season goes Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not – I still am in the category of I don't think he's a Debbie asset. But I think he's going to be a really elite CFF asset for years to come. And going to cost him an arm and leg to get him from me, so – well, let's talk about the Devi asset on this team right now. One Mr. Two-Way player, Travis Hunter, played like over 120 snaps, which is just like completely unsustainable. I don't know how he, he thinks he can play a season doing this. You know what I mean? I think he played somewhere around 60 on on uh, on uh, defense, somewhere around 60 on offense as well. Like, it was just ridiculous. Ended the day on offense with 14 targets for 119 scoreless yards, unfortunately, but Man, he was getting behind the defense. I know he he miscalculated a deep ball as well. You know, maybe that's just some of the signs of him, you know, being a guy who hasn't played a wide receiver that much throughout his throughout you know the last couple of years, anyways. But you know, he he looked pretty good in this game. Um, I, I'm I feel a lot better about his role on offense after watching this game. It's 145 snaps according to PFF. He played. Jeez, that's 80 on defense, <laughs> 65 on offense, 44 <laughs> routes run in that offense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you can how you're supposed to keep that up. I just if he does keep it up, I mean, this guy has to be in the running for a Heisman. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. I, I, I really do. I'm starting. I'm starting to. I don't know if I'm convincing myself because it's week one over reactions, but I think he might pick wide receiver. Man, I mean, that's where the money's at. That's, that's hey, listen, listen. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. The best cornerback in the NFL makes makes Keenan Allen money. Okay, that's the best quarterback in the NFL. The best wide receiver is making like thirty million a year. That's Tyreek Hill. Like the best cornerback market right now is like twenty one million. He's and, the kind of guy that's going to chase that bag, man. I really think he. I really think so. If he if he can settle in at wide receiver and he does really well, I think he's going to chase that bag. Not even chasing the bag, but I think he's going to chase the clout. Like that's why he followed yeah. Dion around for the clout. His social media was a big thing. He was like, oh, I'm not going to announce my I'm not going to announce my commitment on YouTube until I have X amount of followers slash subscribers, which was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Even after he hit that mark, he let it keep going before he announced it. Like, I think he wants the fame, and I feel like that's a lot more with wide receiver. Like, how many people own like cornerback jerseys compared to wide receiver jerseys? Like, it's yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a it's big true. difference. There's not a lot of guys I'm moving up my rankings drastically this week, but I think he's gonna be one of them. Yeah, probably gonna put him in my top 25. I think I have him like sitting around 35, but I'll, I'll be moving him up to my top 25 for sure. Going on to. Uh, are we done with Colorado? You want to talk about Dylan Edwards? I wasn't really a big Dylan Edwards fan, but do you want to talk about him at all? I guess, you know, and then, you know, we, we have the other wide receivers here. Like, do you think anybody else is interesting? Like Xavier Weaver's kind of old. I think he's in his fifth year. He probably has the best build of the group. I thought Jimmy Horn looked kind of good around some of the plays they designed for him, like Yak, you know, kind of looking like his daddy out there a little yeah. bit like that. But, you know, evading guys and stuff like that. You know, these guys are probably going to be really good CFF options. Not sure, you know, Jimmy Horn is such a small guy, so it's hard to buy in. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really see it. I see themselves being like maybe senior bowling buddies, but they kind of get like day three, and then they don't really make much of an impact on Sundays. I, I mean, I could see it for all three of them, but I'm not ready to really say they're going to do anything the next level. And then um, with Dylan Edwards, though, small running back, electric day, loved him. I don't see the NFL uh, career there, but if you're looking at it for CFF, I mean, this is also a Debbie show, but. I don't, I'm I'm not scared of Alton McCaskill. He's coming off an ACL. I don't. Not everyone comes back from ACL is the same. So yeah. if if uh, 
someone's looking to sell high or something like that. I, I don't Anyway, I'm just saying I'm not scared of ultimate Caskill in the situation. Uh, heading over to Arizona, right? Quiet day, which can show this one quickly. Uh, no more Dorian Singer. And then this passing offense really seemed to struggle. Uh, Tetro McMillan, a guy that I think some, actually probably all of us think is going to be uh, at least a star for CFF. And we got to see more for Debbie, but three for six for 65 and one. And then uh, Jacob Cowing, who we noted was only good against G5 competition last year. Didn't really excel much against power five, but only three for four for 38 and one. I mean, this is just not the Arizona passing offense that we saw last year. So, okay. Uh, Arizona, Arizona state though. Uh, Jaden Rashad, a true freshman comes in here. Um, mm-hmm. I picked up a lot of trend board get late in drafts. Cause I was hoping to get that starting quarterback, but it looks like that's going to be my first drop for waivers. Um, he looked good in the first half. I don't know what happened in the second half. I didn't really pay attention to this game after the first half. So did you have any comment about what the fall off was in the second half? Oh, there was a wet, there was a sandstorm. I guess you didn't want you and watch the rest of the game. Yeah, they had like a weather delay. It took forever for them to come back, and then it was just nasty weather afterwards. So, um, yeah, yeah. but but the beginning of this game, I thought he started out pretty good. Pretty good de- uh, debut for him. Showed off the NFL arm on some of those deep shots that he took. I thought those those were pretty nice. Thought they were well timed as well for the most part. He did miss a little bit here or there, but um, navigated the pocket pretty well. Only one sack on the entire day. Protected the ball too, which I thought was nice. Zero turnover when he plays according to PFF, and two big time throws. So I think it was a pretty good, a pretty good debut. Still some work to do overall that, that completion percentage dipped below 60%. Um, but I think he's kind of set up for a nice season here. I think he's got some nice weapons around him too. So ones that really, really work with his skill set. You know, we saw Xavier Guillory kind of blow up in this game. That's that speed down the field, linking up with uh, yep. Jane Rashada's arm might be, might be a really nice connection. Uh, I was going to ask you, you are the Elijah Badger fan here. I just want to mm-hmm. get a temperature check on that. Yeah, like, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, he sat out the first half of this game due to a suspension from the bowl game last year. So he wasn't playing in the good weather half. Um, and then he came back in the second half, still ended up with the third most wide receiver snaps, second most wide receiver targets, 81-yard uh, kick return that he had as well. So, I mean, jo- for joining the game after the weather and for, you know, still seeing that many much snaps and attention, I'm, I'm still perfectly fine with his involvement. Um, you know, of course, we would like to say a huge debut, but I still think he's going to be a big factor in this offense. It is a shame, though, that we get to see Elijah Badger um, play before Darude performed Sandstorm for them and just mess up the whole vibes over there. But <laughs> going over to Utah, uh, where the fuck was Jaquinda Jackson. I, I mean, I was so upset. Like, that's our guy. Like, I thought he was going to break out. He's like used on pass pro plays and like they just rotate all three through. Like, I just couldn't believe that. I was pretty upset. Which, it, which is the weird part because like everybody's pointing towards that he has this injury now. And then you look at the update, he's dealing with an injury now, apparently. And it's like, did he come in with the injury? But if he had an ankle injury, you're not going to be putting him out there in pass pro, are you? So I don't know. I'm not sure if he came into the game with it. It might have explained some of the lack of touches, but. That was a disappointing start, man. I, I thought they would hammer the rock, especially without rising around. And I know the offensive line wasn't helping at all, 0%, but there's still a rotation on running backs there that makes me not feel good about the future for the rest of the year. I mean, they were very much had like set packages for everybody. No, I, I just want to say, like, I think we do have to remember that this is a guy with under 100 snaps at a pure running back position, right? Like there's going to be ups and downs during his development. Um, five carries is hardly enough of a sample size to get a good read on. And we saw some of the upside last year. So I, I still think he's going to settle in, hopefully get that ankle right. And hopefully we see the, a, a lot better things going forward. All right, let's head on over to Oregon, who beat up on a team and even by looking up their names. 
uh like <laughs> 73 to like i think seven anyway it was just ridiculous troy franklin seven for nine for 106 yards and two touchdowns we saw gary bryant like is the bounce back coming seven for seven for 102 can you, can you call it a bounce back if he's not bouncing back from anything <laughs> Yeah, I guess he wasn't a thing before. I mean, he had yeah, I mean, people He had like a time. decent sophomore season. Like it was about 600 yards or something. But I mean, like, I can't remember if he fell under that 300, but he was a year one zero too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, was he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the main concern here for me, and, though, and again, like this is all preseason when they, when you have good power five teams beat up on just G5 teams, I don't really care about the vets doing well. Like, I don't care. Troy Franklin got 106 yards and two touchdowns. I feel like he met expectations. So right. good for him. But I do care about when these like highly touted true freshmen and these blowouts don't get on the field. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to see them later on? So the reason why I'm talking about this is because Jurion Dickey was a no-show in this blowout. Yeah, was, and I mean, this is something that we've talked about through the offseason, too, yeah. that we're a little bit worried with how much bodies they had brought in, capable bodies, no one that's like super a superstar, but capable bodies that are good depth that could easily fill in. And I mean, they went like, what, six wide receivers deep or six, seven wide receivers deep in, in this game, and he didn't even play a snap. We we got to Austin Novosad, freshman quarterback, quarterback three, throwing three passes at the end of the game and still didn't get no jury on Dickey. We got, we got what's his name, Dante Dowdle in this game, and we still didn't get jury on Dickey, man, like, that's that's upsetting and it's a little bit worrying. Yeah, it's it's worrying. And also notice that to get in the game, so I, I didn't really have any takeaways from that though. Three for thirteen. The, really. the only th- the only thing I did take away, I guess he is a freshman, is that he's sitting on number three right now. He he hasn't passed Ty Thompson for now at that at the very least. Yeah, that was weird because we all know Ty Thompson's not the guy we want to talk about. No. I do want to talk about, though, the running back room here. Uh, again, don't care about Bucky Irving's performance. We'll, we'll mention that a little bit later. But I want to talk about Jordan James. Jordan James, mm-hmm. who was a sophomore, used as a red zone threat last year with five rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Um, he was originally a Georgia commit who looked like he re, uh, you know, decommitted and recommitted to Oregon over here once they brought in Andrew Paul. Uh, anyway, I love seeing true freshmen being used in the red zone. I just feel like that means they got a certain level of trust with the team, and I feel pretty good about their usage in the future. So I do have a lot of Jordan James everywhere, but he went 10 for 86 and three, and then he caught one ball for five yards. I, I can see a more even split this year between him and Bucky Irving. I mean, kind of some of their trending that way last year, but now I believe it's going to be Bucky between the 20s, and then they use James a lot more in the red zones, but I, I think Jordan James, who actually does to me have NFL upside um, and, and Bucky Irving again, he went five for one thirty-seven and one. Uh, it didn't someone they need him out there. They didn't really use him too much. So I mean, yeah. good another Bucky guy Irving. who's another guy whose PFF rushing chart is like hilarious. Cause it's only two. He ran the ball five times and four times it was to the outside. And one time it was in the middle. And like the four times to the outside was like all his yards. <laughs> that's what they use it for around the edge yeah, that, that, that's, the middle. Just, that's right. it that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all he does all right let's head over to oregon state just real quick here damian martinez we're both fans and we both want to see him develop more as a runner be more creative uh went for 19 for 146 and zero uh two catches for 19 yards love to see him involved more in their passing game i didn't have much takeaway here sands and san jose state i guess i'm just reading stats here but anything you want to say about damian martinez the only thing I will say is that I noticed in this game, we're talking about we want to see more of a passing role from him. He was split out wide on a few plays, which I found kind of yeah, interesting because yeah. yeah, that was a t- it made the two catches like we wanted to see. Had an eight out of 6.5 yards as well. So it seems like there might be some effort to get him involved there, which is going to be great for his profile going forward if they can do that. It's good because they don't 
have good pass catchers there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, heading over to Washington, uh, Michael Penix, fine, great. I want to talk about the receivers though. Jalen McMillan was the one that was involved early. I believe he had like six receptions for like seventy-eight and like two touchdowns before like Roma Dunze had like his fourth or third catch. So Jalen mm. Millen had the early involvement. Uh, his stat line for the whole thing was eight catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. But Romo Dunze is the one that came on the second half and ended up seven for eight, 132 yards and two touchdowns. He did have a fumble on the field. You know, uh, I, I just want to monitor this because last year there was a clear switch. Like Romo Dunze was used less down the stretch. I have no idea why. I don't know if it was like harder in conference games, like teams were scheming to stop him type of thing. But I just really want to see for conference games this year if that happens again. Yeah, and I thought Jalen McMillian looked really good in this game. I think, you know, he, he shows off some of that versatility. He made a nice high point catch at one point. He made, runs a lot of routes in the middle of the field. He's a guy who I feel like can really like, do it all. He's going to be really versatile, like a really good wide receiver too at the next level is what I feel like. Because he's a guy that you can rely on, I think to do pretty much a lot of things. And like the athleticism that is there, everything is there. Romo Dunze did come on uh, pretty good in the second half of this game. Had that nice contested catch in the end zone as well. But there is one, well, the other guy I just want to talk about a little bit because he just flashes every time I watch. But Jalen Polk, man, I know that we're talking about Jeremy Bernard and we're talking about other guys, but this guy consistently got behind the defense in this game. I think he had three catches for over 100 yards. Like he's got sneaky 2024 upside to like be like the starting wide receiver for Washington, in my opinion. Yeah, he's been reliable there. Like, I don't doubt that. I just hope it's not like a Taj Washington, you know? Like, Taj Washington stuck around USC. Like, he was always reliable, and then yeah. he just kind of got, I can't say, like, recruited over, but he's just a guy. He just rotates through. I guess. Yeah, I, I like some of the measurables a little bit better with Polk. He seems like he's got some athleticism. I know he's got some size to him as well. So, he just he, he seems like he's a little bit underrated right now, I guess. But him and, him and Bernard both got involved in this game a little bit, and both of these guys are probably going to be pretty good going into 2024. I did just want to talk about another guy looking at the running back room, a guy that I talked about a little bit, um, Dylan Johnson coming over from Mississippi State. This is kind of a bust in his first game as, as the lead running back. I was intrigued to see how he was going to look getting a chance you know, away from that Mike Leach system, and he flat-out stunk as a rusher in this game. Uh, he did catch all three of his targets for 20 yards, which – Obviously, he's very comfortable doing coming from from over from Mike Leach, but I'm going to need to see better rushing efficiency before I, I ever consider him a, a Debbie asset. Before we move on, I do want to say one more thing about Romo Dunze is that Corey and I did a uh, roles and traits episode a few a uh, few weeks ago, uh, and Romo Dunze is always a hard eval for me because he is alpha size, but I feel like he tries to move like he's a route runner. I like seeing the physicality in this game. I thought he actually showed some good physicality. You talked about the contested yeah. catch. Um, I, I like seeing that. It is Boise too, which is G5, but Boise is one of those G5 teams that does make NFL town. They do have their head on the shoulders a little bit more than the other G5 programs out there. Uh, heading over to the Big 12. Let's talk Texas first real quick. They have a big matchup coming up, but they played against Rice. Uh, I didn't really bother <laughs> watching it too much. I saw some clips where where Quinn Ewers had nine seconds to throw the ball, and I was like, I don't even know why I'm going to turn this on. Like He doesn't have to try. <laughs> he doesn't have to try if you have nine if you have nine seconds to like throw the ball like you, you can just take your time so uh jonte cook though only ran six routes in this win it was 37 to 10 that was a little bit concerning not seeing me on the field that early but he did catch two for three for 26 yards and zero touchdowns with malik murphy um so i don't doubt he beats the year one zero more but i thought he would have been a little bit more involved than he was at this point no, I, I think he had a big play called back as well. You know, 
be a little okay, but I, with how much bodies they have in this wide receiver room between, you know, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, you still got J.T. Sanders, still got Isaiah Nayor hanging around, who I think got a little bit of run this game. Uh, J- Jordan Whittington is still here as well. Like, I feel like it's going to be hard for him to get on the field, but I actually saw it as positive that he at least got some run in this game. You know, he's, he's getting close. I, this may have faith that he's going to break that year one zero, I think, because you don't need that much. And if he can just get this kind of usage, I think, through the rest – through the rest of the season, I think he's going to have a pretty good chance of breaking that. Um, heading over to Xavier Worthy, though, 7 for 10, uh, 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you wrote no drops here. Did PFF credit him with no drops? Yeah, they did. Did you watch the game and he dropped balls? I am al- I'm almost certain I saw him drop a ball or all- or bounce off his fingertips. I'm almost positive. So I'm going to have to go back and watch PFF that. PFF live for him? I don't know. I don't, I'm almost certain that I saw one, but either way, you know, this kind of connects with Quinn Ewers a little bit like that. You know, we didn't talk about him too much. He went 19 for 31, 260 yards and three touchdowns to zero interceptions in this game. But that stat line looks a lot better than this game did. Uh, I, the, the biggest issue I see carrying over from last year is that deep ball and the connection with Xavier Worthy down the field. Like the timing is just off. The accuracy is off. And even with an off season, like I had hoped would cure some of those issues. Right. And I, like, he was zero for six on passes that traveled 20 oh, yards. Wait, Corey, he broke his hand, bro. He broke his hand. Yeah, yeah Xavier Worthy. But <laughs> but he was, he was zero for six on passes that traveled 20 yards or more. He's just not excelling down the field. Something is just wrong. Sometimes I think it has to do with his footwork. I mean, he's he's one of these guys that sometimes get caught throwing flat-footed um, or almost like his feet square when they should be like pointing towards his target. Like there was, there's this one play. He had a wide open touchdown at one point, uh, short dump off to the right. Like, beginning of the second quarter or something should have been a walk-in touchdown in the red zone. He throws the ball fading off his back foot, no pressure in his face. The art, the running back has to try to grab it from behind him and can't make the catch. It should have been a pitch and catch touchdown. And he made it way harder than it needed to be. Like, I don't know how I'm feeling about Quinn Evers right now. I sold him in a couple leagues this off season. And right now that's feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did notice from like box scores kind of like he was trying to get the ball deep. AD Mitchell's eight out was 20.1, but he only caught three of his six targets. Like I was like, was he struggling out there? Maybe I should actually go back now that I'm talking about it. I feel like I should go back and watch. Cause I, I don't, I wonder what the issue was with disconnect there. I thought it was probably just rust there. Uh, JT Sanders went two for six on his targets, 44 yards and one touchdown. Uh, he's just inconsistent. I want to see more consistency out of him. I, I, He's also a guy that doesn't get credited with as many drops as he actually really does have. But that's another guy that got to look out for. These guys, they all go to tech, uh, to Alabama next week, who we'll talk about later. But this is when we'll really see if these guys are NFL-worthy type players. Do you have any any thoughts on JT Sanders? Or I move on to the next team. Uh, well, um, JT Sanders is a tight end, so I can't say I watched him very closely. But but I will say <laughs> the one position that I did watch closely in this game was running back. I kind of wanted to see how shit, uh, how it broke down a little bit. Jonathan Brooks did get a lot of touches early, but CJ Baxter seemed to have a strong role, at least coming out the gate. Um, looked like he was going to kind of be a one-two punch with Brooks, at least early on in the game. Had a really nice run, had this nice patience, waited for the hole to open up, bust it out to the outside. And then he gets a, an injury. Looks like it's going to be a shoulder injury. There were reports that came out that he said to be fine. So it looks like he's going to be okay. But um, I thought it was at least promising. that He looked like he was going to be a, a big part of this rotation early on. Yeah, he did look like the best runner on the field. Um, nice to see Brooks get some run. That's cool. Or Blue to yeah. get some run. That's cool. Brooks, Brooks did uh, some pretty good work there in the, in the receiving game. Uh, but yes, uh, CJ Baxter, he's just the future of this program uh, for running yeah. back. 
And I will say, you know, I got to give some, I got to have to give some shout out to Blue for at least looking pretty spry and pretty good out there. I thought, I thought he looked pretty good in this game, but uh, how much to take away from that? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be looking good for his transfer portal tape. I'll tell you that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, going over to KSU. Uh, the team will Howard back to Debbie. Yes. Our champions over there, Ben Sinai, <laughs> Keegan Johnson, late scratch really screwed me because I'm over here at the lake yeah. trying to drink some beers and he's not playing. <laughs> but um, Will Howard looked great. I mean, again, this is like an FCS program, but according to Shadur Sanders, FCS to FBS, there's not that much difference apparently. So maybe I just <laughs> shouldn't care about who people are playing. Uh, but Will Howard, he caught a touchdown. He rushed in for a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. Just hand, give him the, just give him the Heisman already. Give him the Heisman. <laughs> Yeah, he looked re- he looked really good. It was a really easy day for him. Um, you know what I mean? Like he was finding the open option on his first read a lot of the time. He wasn't having to, to, to progress very much. He laid a beautiful touch pass over a defender uh, under two other defenders on the crossing route on during his second pa- touchdown pass of the day. So if you wanted to go kind of just try to find that, it was a beautiful pass. But um, this is just what you want to see against a bad opponent. I mean, he, lo- he looked really good. So so starting out right, our, our boy Will Howard starting starting his campaign right. His Heisman can. Yes. QB3 is up for grabs. Kyle McCord no longer has my vote. No longer no. has my vote. No, sir. <laughs> and Beck looked a little bit slow, too. We'll talk about both those guys later. Uh, another one of our guys, Kansas, Devin Neal, clearly had a stranglehold on the running back position there. Corey, you want to talk about Devin Neal? Yeah, he went 13 for 94 yards and a touchdown. Also caught three balls for 25 yards and another touchdown. Really worked as the workhorse that we wanted to see. And we had talked about it. Like, Every time Devin Neal got like over 15 touches, he usually cashes in, you know, either over 100 yards or he had a really good game. And that continues here, starting off here, uh, doubled the next highest running back in snaps, which is really what I want to see. I just really want to see them commit to him. Like, it's going to be hard, I think, at Kansas for him to get the attention that he needs to become a good draft pick at the next level. So this is something we're going to have to see continue throughout the season for him to really break through that barrier, that that Kansas barrier that I just don't think they get a lot of attention when it comes to the NFL draft. Jalen Daniels didn't play this game, right? That's correct. No, he did not. He's in, he uh, was injured. It looks like he's going to play the next game, though. I'm a little worried if he comes back and the amount of run they're going to give him. Because you know how dual threat quarterbacks like to take the ball yeah. themselves and hand it off. So that's really the only talk about Kansas there. <laughs> West Virginia. Uh, CJ Johnson, another running back that we're both fans of. I thought he looked great. He was clearly like the only successful piece in that offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I thought Garrett Green was fine too. Like a lot, there's a lot of guys that beat expectations. I thought they were really gonna get beat up pretty easily by that defense. But Donaldson seemed to just consistently gash that defense for like four or five yards every single rush, and was definitely a threat to break off for more. But 17 for 78 and one one catch for three yards for the two point conversion. Um, but seeing this West Virginia rushing attack be, I'm gonna say successful, like given the expectations, but they were definitely successful against Penn State. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about this season-long performance from C.J. Donaldson coming up. Yeah, I think a lot of people were worried. I mean, I know even Austin was a little bit worried coming into the year. He was talking about how he really just doesn't think he's going to be very good. But at least if if he's going to be the best part of a bad team, sometimes that still works out at least for some relevance. And I'm still shaky on him as a Debbie prospect because I didn't watch this game, unfortunately, so that's something I got to go back and look at. But we talked about a little bit last year how he was running through a lot of wide open holes, and it didn't seem like there was a lot of creation on the second level. I really want to see if that develops this year for him. And, you know, with the way they're running him now, using him as this workhorse, we're going to get the opportunity to see that. So uh, stock up a little bit for C.J. Donaldson. The one thing that was noticeable was that he always fell forward. Always, like consistently. I just loved seeing that. Um, Going over to Oklahoma, though, uh, 
another huge blowout. I definitely didn't see this coming from Oklahoma offense. Um, Jalil Farouk is a one one of our Debbie team members is a fan of. I'll leave his name out. I don't. I'm sure <laughs> save him from the embarrassment. But um, I don't like. I, I don't like think there's any off like passing weapon here. I'm really interested in. I do want to say true freshman Jarquez Petaway had nine of his ten receptions he needed to beat the year one zero threshold. Uh, I still don't know if he's a Devi asset. Thought he was just a speedster, but the guy throwing him the ball, Jackson Arnold, a real simple play calling, but like he looked good doing it. Yeah, he was a perfect eleven for eleven uh, for 114 yards and a touchdown. Just like this game was just—I didn't watch much of this game either because every time I looked, I was just like, "Is there a point to watch this?" Because Oklahoma was obviously just absolutely annihilating Arkansas State. Like I don't even know. Like the collective stats from the quarterbacks in this game was like 30 for 33, uh, over 420 yards and five total touchdowns. If you include the rushing touchdowns as well from Gabriel and Arnold. So, I mean, they just absolutely annihilate these guys for the year. This is just a really nice way to start the season for Arnold. It's a nice confidence boost going into the, into the season, at least letting him think, you know, I, I can hang here. I can do this. I watched a little bit. I stopped watching because I realized. <laughs> like we'll take yeah. away from a game like this sometimes though. You know, it's, yeah, it these guys are doing their this- job. <laughs> okay, yeah, a simple play calling. His A dot, Corey. I don't know if you, did you see Jackson Arnold's A dot. No, I heard it was like dink and dunk though. From for the most three point one was his A dot. Yeah. Like that's it. So, yeah. So I mean, eleven for eleven is cool, but it was all like let's just let the receivers create in space. But he got it into the open space. So like good for him. Uh, going over to the Big Ten though, uh, we ended at Ohio State. Kyle McCord, yikes. Devin Brown, that's yikes as well. The whole running back room, big yikes. Dude, I don't know what Ohio State's doing. I, I, I don't know. But um, let's talk about Kyle McCord here. Uh, yeah, I we've talked about him a little bit through you know throughout the off season. He's he's not a guy that I've always been in on. And you know, there's I talked about it a little bit in the chat, and I talked about it, you know a little bit. I saw it in a little bit in the spring game as well. This guy doesn't step into any of his throws, man. You know, I noticed it. Like I've noticed it throughout his entire time playing through college. He throws a flat-footed delivery and. I made an awful comparison today when I was looking at it. It just reminded me of JT Daniels, dude. Like he has the exact same problem, even with the way the ball comes up, the, the trajectory of the ball. It even dies on the deeper on the deeper ball. Sometimes it, it ends up coming at like a trajectory at his chest instead of like a high pointed ball. I will say, I have to say, there was a drive in the third quarter. He made some really great throws. He threw a tight window throw between like three defenders where the guy was moving. He had to anticipate it and put it in there, threw it beautifully. Uh, The touchdown throw to Marvin Harrison, which got called back, beautiful corner strike. He put, he stepped into that throw. So that was beautiful. So I need to see like more of that consistency from him, man. But I don't know. uh, I just don't see it enough from him. And I I don't think he's, he's long for this job. This is is week one overreactions. And I just don't think Kyle McCord is going to hold on to this job if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, I think he's got some jitters too. I, I'm worried yeah. about he's not him not like throwing the anticipatory throws. Like, I feel like he just goes for his bigger body targets. He just feels more comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I'm super concerned about my Buku shares. I have a lot of Buku shares, like for uh, C to C. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But I'm almost like at this point, again, overreaction. Just like Corey said, I'm almost rooting for them to lose early so that I could see Devin Brown. So they can just say, "Fuck it, dude. Next year's right here. We'll, we'll play Devin Brown." I mean. I don't know if you like that game was like seven to three, I think, at the half. And it's Indiana. Like it's it's Indiana. Like that yeah, was they should have killed them. They shouldn't, yeah. Right. The running backs didn't look do good either. Um all of them averaged like less than four yards per carry, I think. I'm about to look that up to double check that. But 
I'm looking for Trey Henderson to bounce back from his injuries. You know, like we, it's been his true freshman season was super elite. It's been it's been a while since so we've seen him like be something elite, and it's just that Indiana game just wasn't it. It just wasn't it. Uh, I guess I I kind of got a different take from it then because I actually thought he looked okay in this game. Like he broke off a couple of big plays. He looked explosive, but I think what was happening was they were really splitting the workload between a lot of guys here. Uh, Mayan Williams seemed like the guy that was in the red zone. He even caught a nice pass in the end zone. And he, he, he I think he plowed in two touchdowns as well, where he was just the guy who was hammering it in when they were within like the 10 yard line. And then you had Travion Henderson breaking up these big runs to the outside. He was doing some nice shifty stuff in the middle. And then it was Chip Trainum who was the other guy pretty much splitting the work with Trey Henderson in between the 20s and looking good doing it, man. Like, like from my takeaway, it looked like Chip has hopped Dallin Hayden, at least. I don't know if anything's going on with Hayden, but he's at least hopped Dallin Hayden in this rotation now and hopped up to the number three running back on the on this. I don't like I don't know how much eligibility he has, but is it is it a possibility that Chip Trainum is the, the running back for Ohio State going into 2024? Uh, no, let's just nip that in the bud right now. I'm ah, not come gonna on. Hop on. I am not going <laughs> to hop on a chip training like comeback season. I'm not going to. Come on. Good. Oh, week one overreactions. Come aboard. I mean, he was the best one this week. Yeah, he, he looked good. Because he's a freak. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, they, they have a chance to do better next week. I don't know who they're playing next week, but I, I really thought they're pretty disappointing this week for offense. I really couldn't believe what I was watching for Ohio State. Um. I'm actually done talking Ohio State. I assume you don't want to talk about the tight end Stover because we don't talk tight ends. No, I mean he looked okay in this game though. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had right. a, nice, a nice team pass, and yeah, all right, that's enough. Let's go on to the team to beat in the Big Ten. I I hate saying that it's Michigan. Um, Corey, do you want? Did you want to spit propaganda about the QB there? <laughs> I don't. I don't talk as much JJ McCarthy propaganda anymore. Chris K has kind of taken over that in this in this group now, but. Uh, yeah, I do still legitimately think he has a, a shot to be a top three to five quarterback in next year's class. I think it was hard to take anything away from this game where they clearly overmatched ECU, yeah. um, but he but he yeah. played he played really well. Like he stepped up in the pocket. I mean, that first touchdown pass, he was certainly past the line of scrimmage. Like I'm, I'm almost certain he was. But I saw that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, like, and they replayed unless, it and they still gave it to him. Yeah, like, he, unless he was just flit in the air or whatever. I guess that makes it okay. But it was a nice play, uh, and it was something within the pocket which I like to see. I, I want to see him doing more stuff in the pocket, not escaping to the outside. That's kind of one thing we always say with him. Um, um, I thought he did a nice job resetting on the move as well, throwing on the move. I mean, the one thing with him, man, like every time the ball in his hands looks freaking beautiful, dude. Like it's the kind of spiral you could teach a clinic on. Like, <laughs> like that. that's one thing that's always come up. He just throws a really beautiful ball. But yeah, starting out the season right here, J.D. McCarthy for QB3, man. Here we go. He only had one rushing attempt for negative two yards and a fumble, which I fumbling's an issue just, for him too. It really is. Yeah, it is. But I also just want to say, like, I think he knows the criticism is around him as a passer. So I think in this game, he was like trying to show more of a pocket presence rather than just scrambling and running. Cause I think he definitely could have ran more than he did. Yeah. So thought that was good for him for recognizing that. Speaking of the runners though, Donovan Edwards, who we all say has a higher NFL ceiling than Blake Corum does 12 attempts for 37 yards. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what happened. I didn't. I didn't watch this game down to down, but I saw you wrote "yikes" Donovan Edwards here. Like, was there something you were seeing down to down that that, that didn't look very good, or was he getting hit behind the line, or what was going on there? 
I didn't think the offensive line was as good as it used to be. I I think I don't know what's happening, but it didn't look like that line was as strong as it was before in the past. I don't know the starters off the top of my head either. So it could have been like they're playing with their second offensive line like pretty early mm-hmm. on. Um, but outside of like some holes they opened up for Blake Corn, but for when Dominic Edwards was in, there was no holes opened up. And I just think he lacked I think it really exposed his lack of creativity. And that's that's just it. Like he needs it. Like he needs the hole open for him to do anything. Yeah, I did think Blake Corum looked looked okay in this game. I guess he can level the competition here as well. But he made some yeah. nice decisions around the line of scrimmage. He did break free multiple times in this game and like didn't have the finishing gear to house it. But you know, oh I think yeah, until like you brought that up, I noticed that too. Yeah, there was <laughs> you no, did, right? Like, yeah, like there was like yeah, there was like three times he like broke out to out wide and just couldn't finish it and was like tracked down from behind. So like I'm almost certain that this guy's not running like a four five, Matt. I just don't think it's gonna happen. But um, he did look okay in this game though. Yeah, no, look, I mean, it was he's coming back from injury. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't major. We weren't too worried about it, but it looked he looked good. I I don't. Yeah, you kind of said it. there was no second gear burst, but you can feel pretty good about him coming back from injury. Uh, Roman Wilson, uh, a lot of people are talking about him. I remember down his stats here, but something like six catches for 80 yards, and like three touchdowns, something like that. Uh, I'm not. A Michigan fan for skill position players, but especially not in the wide receiver category. I feel like they only ask the receivers to run a straight line and be fast. Uh, I got to see like Ronnie Wilson, mm-hmm. for example, in person at the Senior Bowl. He had a really terrible hands, terrible drops, couldn't run routes. He was just a straight line speedster and operated best in zone coverage. Did you have any opinions about Roman Wilson and his Debbie value? Because I think that's going to be a topic for a lot of shows this week. I don't know. Like I think like Michigan always gets these athletes. At, at the wide receiver position, right? Like you're looking at Donovan Edwards Peoples when he was when he was their athlete. Nico Collins, athlete. Cornelius Johnson's there. He's supposed to be an athlete. Roman Wilson, another guy. Like it, it's like they can't learn to use the athleticism in, in within their offense. But another guy, as a recruit, four point three seven forty, three point nine six shuttle, so sub four seconds, thirty nine inch vert, verified six foot, verified one hundred seventy five pounds, like. That's the build that we love nowadays. That's the build that athleticism that we love. I think you can maybe argue like the offense hasn't really been good for his the type of player. Like it's a low, low volume passing offense. And I still don't know if it's going to be there, but maybe, maybe there's a path. If Michigan continues to be a pass heavy offense that he's like, I don't think they'll put up numbers like this, but he's like a Jalen Hyatt type going into this year. That catches a lot of those deep balls. They start to use that speed down the field a little bit more with an arm like JJ McCarthy's. Do I think that's going to happen? I don't know. I think it's going to be more so like, I'd be surprised if he tops 80 yards in a game on most occasions. I'd be surprised if he catches more than a touchdown on most occasions, but this uh, something like this is at least going to put him on the radar a little bit. And I think, if he tests anything like this at the NFL draft, then he's going to get attention that way too. Because regardless of the production, Michigan wide receivers are still getting drafted and still getting like looked at pretty well in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. All right, heading over to Penn State. Drew Aller. Dude, uh, Drew Aller is him. Mm-hmm. Drew Aller is him. He looked great out there. Uh, there I mean, again, it wasn't really much of a test against West Virginia's uh, defense, but I thought he looked great. You have any thoughts on Drew Aller? Yeah, like over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns or interceptions. Um, I thought it was a relatively easy game for him. They, they they schemed it right around him. Like PFF didn't credit him with any big time throws, so it's not like they were asking him to do much outside of the box, the, the framework of the offense, right? So I thought he was a little bit late on some throws. I thought the trajectory could have been better on some, but like all in all, I thought it was a pretty solid day. I think you feel pretty pleased if you're a fan going forward. Like this met expectations to me. 
did you want to talk about the pass catchers? I know you're the KLS fan of the two of us, and I, I can't bring myself to do it, but you want to talk about how KLS was the one here? Yeah, it's funny because if you do look up Lambert Smith and, like, my name on Twitter, I've been talking about this guy since, like, 2020 or 2021, whenever he was a freaking recruit or whatever. But I, I even wrote about him in an article last year. But I'm going to probably go the other way, okay? And I'm going to tell people that they need to pull back a little bit. KLS has teased us like this before, and he is a really nice athlete, some great verified measurables. He's always been a guy who's like broken a big play here and there on low volume and then never followed it up really. And I, I mean, again, only four receptions this game, six targets, maybe one of his highest higher targeted game, but broke free on a 72 yard game that made that 123 yard total look, look better, you know, and cashed in with the two dust rounds. I'm not saying that he can't continue to do it. It's just that he's, he's done this before and I'm not ready to buy back in yet. I think he's a really interesting player. Um, you know, I, I'm just realistic about where he is in his career. You know, another guy, could he be this year's Jalen Hyatt? Like, like maybe, but I'm, I'm going to see more games before I buy back into that narrative. I think there's some talent in this room that, that could prove to be a little bit better, you know, halfway through the season by the end of the season. Yeah. The wide receiver two for this offense was Harrison Wallace, the third, who I yeah. honestly didn't know who that was until this game. Had to look him up, looked up his like 24 7 rating, 7 for 8 for 72 yards and zero touchdowns. He looked good too. Um, KLS had 27 uh, routes run. Wallace had 23. Liam Clifford, who I also had to look up, had 19 routes run. I I had to sit here and say to myself, like, where's Amari Evans? Had to look him up and find out he was a late scratch in this game. And now I'm sitting here asking myself, like, and seriously saying, because I know he's like a my guy for me, but I, I really think Amari Evans could crack open this wide receiver room and find himself a very serious role in his offense. I also, I'm still a fan of the Kent State transfer, Dante Cephas as well, who only got like five snaps mm-hmm. in this game. But I think that's more of a case of, you know, came in late in the summer, hasn't really gotten fully adjusted to the offense yet. He's a guy also, I think like halfway through the season, could become more of a factor as the offense starts to, you know, develop around Jarrett here. Going to the running back room, though, Nicholas Santin was the RB1, first one on the field. Uh, Kate Allen was RB2, second one on the field. Anyway, Nick Singleton, 13 rush attempts for 70 yards and a touchdown. Catron 10 for 51 and zero. Um, we've been saying this uh, in the offseason about if Nick Singleton gets more and more of the workload. Now, this was West Virginia. So I wonder in harder matchups, since he was clearly the first like one on the field for the first two drives, I want to say, um, mm. if we see him start getting more and more touches and we see Catron's touches start fading because i know some people want to say he's a buy and he's underrated but yeah i i'm just a little concerned about Catron allen here and i'm feeling good about nick singleton uh that's it for penn state good for penn state good all right doing some quick hitters here iowa luke lachey is a tight end one on the team we have that confirmed a lot of us here were well it was split but there was some of us here that were fans of eric all but it looks like from a target and snap share perspective that luke thank you thank you Yes, Corey is the tight end one there for him. Uh, Maryland. Uh, I'm the one watching Maryland closely <laughs> here, but uh, let me start with the starting three. The starting three. And Barnabas. And Barnabas. Yeah. yeah Bar- Barnabas is watching Maryland too. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, we need to go see a game, actually. Me and him are going to go see a game sometime this year. Nice. But uh, anyway, um, the starting three wide receivers for them were Jason Jones, uh, Corey Deitches, who also has a tight end. Uh, eligibility for whatever reason i don't know why and then uh ty felton so the guys that get rotated in are octavian smith and caden prather so for those of us that were excited about caden prather at wvu his snaps were super limited i'm not feeling too good about his involvement this year um he went two for four for 18 yards and a touchdown 
kind of felt like honestly how we look at Brendan Rice, where he's just kind of like a he's looking for like a jump ball situation. Like that's kind of what his thing is. But did you have any thoughts on Keaton? Did you even watch Maryland? Keaton at all? <laughs> you can only watch so much leading up to the show and i have to kind of pick and choose they, yeah. they unfortunately didn't make the cut <laughs> i was trying to watch all my misfits which i'll get to in a second uh, Towson actually invited me out for open tryout by the way back in the day oh yeah yeah not for football though for rugby oh i never played rugby in my life i'm like how why am i getting this invite and then uh one of my buddies who i did play football with played rugby they needed a kicker and they noticed i didn't take any of the local offers and so they asked me to come try out because they thought that they could develop me but my primary purpose would be to kick the ball and i was just like no no i'm not gonna fucking lose my shoulder <laughs> so, so i can kick a ball once or twice. getting There's destroyed no in rugby just <laughs> yeah dude i was a string being back then too i'm waiting one to get yeah dude no i'm gonna obliterate it <laughs> going back to maryland though Octavian Smith Jr. is like one of my my guys here. He did have the most targets on the day, third and routes run, uh, but he was four for seven for 42 yards and zero touchdowns. He had three drops. I watched them. He really needs to clean that up. He needs to clean up those hands, but they have another easy matchup next week, so I'm going to be watching closely because him and Prather were rotated early. He wasn't – Octavian Smith wasn't – he wasn't on like the first two drives, but come like drive three, that's when they started rotating him in. So I think – I feel pretty good about Octavian Smith being the future of this program here. Overreaction. They could definitely get a transfer in for sure. But once these seniors leave, I, I think I think next year will be exciting for him. I really do. Any comment on that? Yeah, Corey didn't watch Maryland. We're just going to Wisconsin then. Wisconsin, Braylon Allen. <laughs> Braylon Allen, seeing those later boxes was fantastic. Do you, you have some comments on Braylon Allen at least, right? I do at least. He tied the team lead in receptions. That was awesome. Seven catches on the day, which is awesome for his profile. You know, um, I think there was something to them talking about uh, taking some workload off of his plate this year. Like Ches Malusi got a ton of run in this game. If he's going to add some of this receiving profile to his game, you know, maybe in lieu of some more rushing attempts, I think his overall pro profile is going to look a lot better for it. And they were both really efficient on the day. They both went like over 150 yards rushing. So in this new offense, you know, if it's going to be opening holes like that for him where he's not going to have to be carrying it 20, 25 times a game, like I, I think that's going to be overall better for his profile entering the NFL. Yeah, Braylon was 70 for 141 and two. Uh his A dot was negative four, so we lost him. <laughs> it was like seven catches for twenty five yards, right? Like yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't much. That's what it was. He caught every one of those dump offs. I'll tell you that. No drops. Yeah. <laughs> um, nine missed tackles for us. It was just nice seeing him out there. So feel really good about Braylon being the RB two in this class. And so far, actually, out of the big three, he's the only one that had a really good day. Because the other two did not have a good day. Yeah. Um, heading over to the ACC, UNC Drake May. Getting it done without a wide receiver one. I mean, Devontae Walker still doesn't have that waiver uh, to play, but Drake may beat an SEC offense with a team that got a downgraded OC. Like, I, you just love seeing that. And I didn't watch the game, but I, I just loved seeing that that's what the results were. No, he rose above that. That was one of my big concerns coming into this. You know, OC change, uh, completely new uh, weapons in the wide receiver room as well. And then 
You lose the guy you think is going to be your wide receiver one like a week leading up to the game. You even practice with him still thinking he's going to be the guy that, that he's going to get his waiver. And then like two days before you realize he's not going to get it. And it's a whole new thing you got to deal with now. And, you know, he ended up relying on uh, Kobe Pesor a little bit. The guy out of the slot uh, ended up being his top option. He got like nine targets on the day. But really, he spread the ball around like everybody else other than Pesor was like three targets or less. And it was like list of like eight guys or something like he spread the ball around nice he went 32 for 24 75 percent 270 yards he did throw two interceptions to match his two touchdowns which you know hopefully he'll clean that up a little bit but you know with the way he ended the season i was feeling a little bit pessimistic like why what happened there why did he hit that wall this was a great way against a pretty good opponent at least you know to, to at least reaffirm some belief in him going forward yeah he silenced the haters yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah <laughs> That's really it. I don't really have any other thing to talk about for UNC. I don't care about the running backs or receivers here. You don't want to talk about Omarion Plodtin? No. (laughs) Incredibly inefficient. Everybody stop talking about Omarion Hampton already. 2.3 yards for a carry. Austin can keep his champion and use his his my guy (laughs) for a quote-unquote shield if he wants. Um, (laughs) Going over to Miami, uh, is, is this the Tyler Van Dyke comeback? Is this... Are we going to start hyping him up for the draft again? I think he's gone past his chance of like being a high draft round, high high uh, draft pick. I mean, and this wasn't the greatest game like statistically, but we even talked about this offseason. Like, I kind of thought he was kind of starting to put it together. Like the two games before his injury, like he, he was putting up stat lines again. Colby Young was banging, and maybe he's just a guy that's like a little bit of a slow starter. You know what I mean? Like, like learning a new offense every year doesn't help as well, but he, he showed signs of settling in by the midway point. I think maybe he can do that again here, and I thought it was a stronger start than at least last year, and you know, he helped out our boy Colby Young, who like, you know, week one over reactions, man. I'm going to tell you right now, Colby Young is just like a, a cheaper version of Keon Coleman, okay? You guys are all yes. excited about Keon Coleman. Colby Young is can do everything Keon Coleman can do, Cheap. man. They're cheaper like same, in price, not player. cheaper in skill set. We are not calling him a yes. dollar store Keon Coleman. These are like these two guys to me are the top two alphas in the class. They don't Mark yeah. Harrison Jr. is not an alpha to me. He's more of a route runner. And Romo Dunze needs to show he's an alpha. This was a pretty good week one for him. But as far as like the old school bully ball X's, it's Keon and Colby Young. Colby Young had 14 routes run and saw four targets on those 14 routes. I'm pumped. And they get to play Texas A&M next week, so we get to really find out how legit this really is. And how about the speed he showed up on that screenplay? Like, I didn't I didn't even know if he had that kind of speed, but he got that ball and outran the entire defense for that long play. I mean, bounced off some hits on some catches, too. Like, I, I don't know. But he, looked, he looked awesome. Uh, looking at this running back room here, uh, did you actually get a chance to watch this game at all? I I did watch this game. I did watch it, yes. What did you, What were your thoughts on one Mr. Mark Fletcher? I, I remember I don't want to say he's super stiff and slow the way we view like Audrey Estime and like Dante Dowdle and even Cameron Scadabo. Like I think that's the category of runner he's in. He looked a little bit better than that. Um, I might have been worse to be honest. Oh, did he really? <laughs> yeah, I th- I thought so a little bit, but no, go ahead. You, you speak your case. There's just there's just no burst, but like somehow yeah. like I, I can't remember who they played, but whatever FCS school they were playing, like they still couldn't close in on him. I can't remember who it was, but it, oh man, Miami of Ohio. Miami so Ohio, yeah. Yeah. So I, maybe like a day three guy, but like, I don't know. No juice. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I think he's going to be a guy who could be good for like your C2C, like uh, dynasty CFFs. Like I think he's going to be a guy who's going to get workload. And as long as he can produce like this, but like, 
to me, like it was uninspiring. Like I thought it was, it was two wide open plays that resulted in big runs. Like he barely even got touched, like, and just burst the whole runway. Yeah. Good runway. And then the rest of it was just him plodding into the line with like no patience, no vision, uh, just whatever gap he was supposed to run into was just plowing right into it and falling forward. And I mean, sometimes we see this with freshmen as well, but I actually like, I talked about a little bit before when we, when we talked about them, like I was actually a little bit intrigued with Mark Fletcher. Like I was actually kind of excited for this game to see how he was going to do seeing how was, they were was talking on, he about was your him. pick for the breakout episode. Yeah. Or not, or not breakout for uh impact freshman, impact, he was impact gonna, freshman which he is going to be, I think that's still going to be a win, but, I was actually very unimpressed with what I saw. Hopefully I see a little bit more dynamism from his running style going forward. Um, are you buying Trevante citizen? Just throwing that out there. No. <laughs> okay. As a, as a three, if you're going to throw him into like a, no, but then he, he clogs my roster too. I don't know if I want him. He's borderline <laughs> free. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, go on, let's go over to Clemson. Let's do it. Uh, this was disappointing as well. I feel like a lot of the top teams were disappointing, honestly, in the opener. Um, Kay Klubnik with the new OC, we're all pretty excited to see that. He looked uh, objectively terrible. Yes, he, did. he I remember, awful. I remember, like, Chris Moxley's live tweets were great. I kept looking at him. I almost put him on notifications just for that game. It was like, he's talking about, like, <laughs> this guy just wants to throw a turnover so bad, and then he actually throws one where it bounced off the actual receiver and it wasn't yeah. like, ironic. Yeah. And, like... It was bad, dude. It was bad. And he, he's just not it for me. And we've talked about it a little bit on this offseason as well. I mean, like, I see the mobility, but I do not see bona fide NFL traits here. He does not have massive size. He does not have a big arm. He's got some speed to him. and But I, I, he has way too many struggles as a passer. Like, I think he did some nice things to move around the pocket. And then he would follow up that nice movement with a boneheaded decision to push it into double coverage. Or like he could have had four picks in this game, probably. In all honesty, like he's lucky it wasn't worse than it was. He still gets frantic when that first read is gone. Fumbled twice in this game. Fumbled a, a simple exchange with Phil Maffa. Um, It's an overreaction by for week one, but I don't care, man. I think I think Club Nick could see the biggest fall from the top of our ranks this year, and it's it's not just anything new. It's not just after one game. We've been talking about this. The spring game was bad. His yeah. first showing here was bad. I mean, we have to look at it right now for what it is. It's 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 not surprising to be at least a little bit pessimistic about it. it's like 4.9 yards per attempt is really really bad i didn't even see that i even look up his scores on pff yet yeah it was bad man uh, or sorry his advanced metrics i don't care about the grades yeah um so what the 2025 class is looking like drew Aller and connor wegman like is that it i don't know yeah, there'll, there'll be other risers to come up out of nowhere. Kay can still do he, – he can prove me wrong, but this is overreactions week number one. He's, he's going to drop. He's going to be that guy. I'd rather have J.J. McCarthy right now than Kate Klubnik. Brady Allen. Brady Allen than, than Kate Klubnik? Whoa, that's going deep. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't messed deep, up yeah. yet. I'll say that. At least we yeah, have he hasn't messed up Brady yet. Allen. Um, yeah. No, that, that was terrible, though. I will be dropping for my rankings. It's It's – it's, I don't know who had the theory here at this website. I remember it being talked about months and months ago where someone was like, what if Davos Sweeney is just not a good good uh, developer and he just got really lucky with Deshaun Watson and uh, Trevor Lawrence? He's not, and he's not 
adjusting to like the new era. You have like you got to play by the rules everybody else is playing by. If everybody else is going to start doing transfer portal, don't hold some higher than everybody morality that you're better than that and everything like that. Like join in. Like go hunt in that portal. Go pay guys in the NAL and get your get your team the way it should be to compete with everybody else. All right, let's head over to these pass catchers though. Uh, the triple starters here we really cared about were Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, who I had struggled even finding on the field for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then Bo Collins, who I think he was hyping up like literally this week saying how much of a breakout Bo Collins is going to have. I just need to get a, temp- a temperature check for Adam Randall and Bo Collins. I know me and you are already low on him. Is he done for you? Like, is he just done? Are we both done? I, I don't know. I don't think anything in this game is going to is going to change that. He's going to have to do a lot this year for me to buy back in. And then when, when it goes comes to Adam Randall, like he didn't start this game wide receiver four in terms of snaps. It was his only target was like a screen pass. He turned it, he turned it like it into like an eight yard play or something, which was nice. I'm not going to read into it too much for now. Perhaps they're like still being a little bit cautious. Like it's, just, it's not like this wide receiver court did anything keep him at bay though. Like the guy he's competing with Cole Turner went two for five for 21 yards. Like yeah. Williams is really Antonio Williams is really the only guy who did something for Cubic yesterday. And that's, that wasn't pushing the ball down the field. I still think there's a role here for Adam Randall that I, I don't know if Bo Collins is the guy for it, but we're essentially hoping Adam Randall's takes over Bo Collins role right now, which is what he owns right now. And he did. Okay. You know, five for six in this game. I can't remember. What was it 60 yards or something like that? Like he had an he had an okay day, second highest targets on the day. Like he played that big outside wide receiver role that we know for Clemson. I just don't know if he's the guy for it long-term. Let's head over to their their competition this this week in Duke. Uh, Lincoln Riley was a, I don't know, a fan favorite of some people, uh, including from Mikey, Michael Nellen, Michael Nelson here at Campus Skin helping us out. Riley, Riley Leonard, you mean? You said Lincoln Riley. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback. I was really unimpressed besides with his legs. I didn't really think he was a good thrower the whole yeah. time. I don't have any takeaways. That's kind of what we were no. more – critical of him anyway in the offseason but i'm still unimpressed with his throwing ability more impressed with his mobility and ability to extend the play um so any thoughts on riley Leonard besides that no like i think i think you said it perfectly i mean in a bunch of chats this week and i typed up that it was like the overrated quarterback bowl and like the minute riley Leonard had his big run everybody was like see you talk bad about him and he shows up and he shows you what you can do i'm like that didn't change anything it doesn't, it doesn't change anything for me with that he made a big run. Like he quarterbacked this team well. He's a really good college player. I just don't know what the upside is at the next level with him. Yeah. Uh the receiver here, though, Jordan Moore that we're looking for. The QB converted, definitely a good verified athlete. Watched some tape last year. Thought he was good in zone, but just as like a yak threat, like he just didn't really grab a lot of concepts as far as yak goes. Um, wasn't really a quick twitch mover either. So just being a verified athlete was cool but didn't see in the short area when he put the pads on and with the football in his hands. I came up short tonight. I want to say he had like three catches for like 50 yards. I think I'm being generous with that uh, guess. Yeah, it was three three catches for 20 yards. So, yeah, it was six six targets on the day. And, I mean, most of the targets went to his running mate, uh, Shane Kalu, in there. But he had an awful day. Only caught 50% of his targets. Uh, at least two drops on the day, muffed a punt as well. He turned those 10 targets that he got into 32 yards, five catches for 32 yards. It was just a really rough game for that passing offense in general. I still think Jordan Moore is interesting. Um, and you talked about it, like maybe not the most like sudden guy or like twitchy guy or whatever. Like, like my comparison here is like another like day three guy. And actually, I don't even know if he was day three. It was Tricky Myers day three. He was a UDFA. 
it was UDFA. Okay, yeah, so there you go. So that's kind of the comparison I'm rolling. And maybe it's because of the, the former quarterback thing, but I both think they're similar builds and they run a similar style, kind of. You know, like they're a little bit possession y. They can make some moves after the catch, but they're not expected. You're not going to expect them to make some sudden move in the, in the open field or anything like that. But they're very reliable options. And Jordan Moore has really good hands for a guy that's a converted quarterback. So I'm still interested in see what, what happens with him going forward. Yeah, and this was just a really big test. So if he blew up against Clemson, that would have been an actual serious movement rankings. Yeah, yeah. Heading over to the last ACC school, FSU, who took on LSU uh, with a pretty big win there. Trey Benson, uh, I jinxed him. He looked really good on his first two touches. <laughs> two touches, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he looked terrible after that. So that's on me, guys. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I'm not even going to say that he looked terrible. I thought he tried to do a lot of things like he got hit in the backfield numerous times in this game. Like I thought he looked like pretty spry on some of his carries. Like Benson had more yards after contact than the other two running backs combined, which just goes to show you how much he was doing. Like after, after people were cut, were touching him in the backfield already. And there were some plays that were working in his favor. And I think sometimes he can wait a little bit too long in the backfield, maybe a little bit too patient, maybe get downhill a little bit quicker. But I still think like there's there there. I was happy with some of the things that I saw. And this is a tough defense, man. Clemson's a good defense. You mean LSU is a good defense? LSU, sorry, LSU is. A, we just finished talking about Clemson. I meant I, meant, I think uh, LSU. I think both D lines dominated the offensive lines on both sides. I really did. Oh yeah. Uh, like people are going to hit in the backfield the whole day. And, and Jordan yeah. Travis had a pretty rough first half in that beginning there getting tortured. No, but he figured line. it out. I think he was, yeah. I don't know what it was, but he just went back into escaping the pocket, like his usual play style. and was looked real good there throwing to his two passengers there and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. Um, talk about Keon Coleman first eight catches for 10 yards, 115 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, we we we've been probably more critical than the rest of the industry on him. Uh, we think he's more of a in the spring. We thought he was more of a jump ball guy. Like he's just old school bully. He knows how to get vertical really well. People say he's a really good athlete, and I think like yeah, he's a really good athlete in jumping. But I don't know about anything else for movement ability besides that. Mm-hmm. Me and Corey commented. Corey said the first in the chat, but I also noticed it too. He has some really good releases off the line. Uh, he definitely yeah. won at the line quite a bit. Anyone at the catch point, he's just definitely not winning in his route so which can work at the nfl level because the nfl runs a lot of zone uh, i think i need to find the stats for it again but it's been like two years but the only two teams that ran man coverage more than 50 percent of the time was the patriots and the saints again that's information that's two years old i i wasn't sure about keon coleman's future in the nfl now i'm pretty positive he has a future in the nfl i don't know about his ceiling but i feel pretty good about him getting there i feel pretty good about the draft capital i feel pretty good about having an actual role in the starting offense yeah, I also think this is kind of a case of like just more national attention at, at Florida State. Like I don't I don't really know if he showed us anything new or did anything that wasn't that we didn't know was already in his bag of tricks. Like he had games like this at Michigan State. Yeah. So uh I'm moving him up. He's one of the guys I'm actually gonna move up. I'm not like some people on Twitter calling him the wide receiver two in this class, but <laughs> I think I I think I had him at like wide receiver ten. I'm probably gonna move him up to like six, six, five or six, probably seven in that area. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where he was in the class, but I know he was in my 30s for wide receiver overall. So I could picture him moving yeah. maybe late 20s or something like that. Going up. Let's go on to Johnny Wilson. Uh, speaking of up, <laughs> man, six foot <laughs> seven. Uh, Johnny Wilson, seven for 904 yards and zero touchdowns. I don't know, dude. Uh, Johnny Wilson just looked like the same player as last year. Like you talked about, he was like to attack the ball at the hands, like let it come to him. I definitely saw yeah. that. 
so he just seems like someone that needs yeah. time to like for the quarterback to extend the play for him to get open. He's not a guy that's going to excel in contested catches, and he's like six foot seven, so mm-hmm. he needs to excel in contested catches. Which happened on a lot. Uh, yeah, that happened on a lot of his catches in this game too. Was that Jordan Travis is getting outside and looking for like a target or something like that, and then didn't didn't even a wide receiver throw a pass or something to him? Was that Johnny oh. Wilson? I can't. I, I swear I can't it was. Remember. I watched a lot of football today. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot <laughs> yeah. of condensed games at work, dude. I watched. <laughs> yeah, but no, this is always a thing with him. I mean, it, Johnny Wilson is a very interesting case study from a size, athleticism standpoint, and maybe what some potential is there because we really don't see players like him very often. But the fact is, he doesn't act like the player we think he would be at that size with his physicality and his hands and stuff like that. Like he's he's got a lot of work to do, I think. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slide this one into LSU. So I want to talk about both these teams though. The quarterback Travis Hunter versus quarterback like Jaden Daniels. I posted a um like a vote on Twitter. I want to say like five or six months ago about which quarterback was a better NFL prospect between the two of them. A lot mm. of people voted for Jaden Daniels. I think it was like 72 to like you know 28. Jaden Daniels. Who do you think is the better NFL prospect here? Oh, don't make me do this. Do it. <laughs> I don't like I the answer is obvious to me. Why you think it's Jordan Travis? Why? Because his ability to extend the play is a lot better than Jane Daniels. I really do think that. I don't think he's a better thrower, but I, I think he has yeah. a lot better legs. I like his legs a lot more. I like Travis Jordan Travis's legs a lot more. I like Jane Daniels. This is a tools conversation versus a guy I who al- probably has more like more uh, like a better understanding of the game is more will will do a lot of the other things well. Whereas like Jane Daniels will be more of a project, right? That you have to hope, but like the floor is zero with Daniels, right? Whereas like the, the floor with Jordan Travis is probably like competent Favorite. backup or something. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like or like you know, practice squad guy at least, but like the floor with Daniels is zero. If I had to choose, like, if I just want someone's going to make the NFL, I guess it's got to be Jordan Travis. I don't know. I don't want to get any of these guys. I'm not choosing. I'll take the bullet. All right, fine. I just <laughs> – that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Who are you choosing? Wanna... You, oh, no, you're choosing, you're choosing Jordan, Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. I also think Jordan Travis can actually improvise and, like, adapt to the game. I don't even think Jane Daniels has that going for him. No, he doesn't. I think, yeah. think Jane right. Daniels is a one-read guy, and he struggles past that. And if he can't I run, he's right, really but... screwed. So, so just like we saw, FSU's D line was definitely blowing LSU's offensive line. So Jane Daniels really couldn't escape the pocket like like that. The way Jordan Travis could. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about LSU. All right, Jane Daniels, quarterback. I didn't write down his stats. He's not really not worth talking about. But let's talk about Malik Neighbors. Nine, not sorry, excuse me, not nine. Six mm-hmm. receptions for twelve targets, sixty-seven yards, zero touchdowns. I was I was looking for a staple game. Like, you know, I was I was hoping that he would have made his name the way Brian Thomas did. We'll talk about him in a second, but what were your thoughts on Malik Neighbors here? I think, you know, with the way this offense is, like, sometimes there's just going to be days like this in this offense. This was a lot of, like, like Malik Neighbors kind of had a lot of 66. Like, he really came on strong at the end of the year, but he kind of did this in the beginning of the year last year, too. I think when everything is clicking for this team and everything's functioning well, like, they're playing with a lead, they can run the ball really well, the game is just... I mean, goes for every team, but this is just where LSU wants to live, right? They are not a good catch-up team. When they're when they're forced to push the ball down the field and trying to force, this is what happens. You get twelve targets, you only catch six of them. Because I don't think Jane Daniels that good of a thrower. Like I still think Malik yeah. is going to end up as a very versatile um, wide receiver two type for the next level. Like he can line up anywhere. There's a, a fine level of athleticism right there. Like 
Here, here's a comparison I have for you. Do you think that Malik Neighbors has any less or more upside than a guy like Jordan Addison did? I think it's the same. I would say it's the same upside. Yeah, and that's a guy who went in the first round, right? So, I mean, I, I get, it's not impossible, I guess, to consider he can be a first-round pick. But, I mean, I wouldn't even know if I would tell you that I thought Jordan Addison should have been a first-round pick to begin with. But I don't think it's out of the question. I still think that's in his range of outcomes. That was my thought process, too. I thought Jordan Addison was a little overrated going to the draft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was over to his contested catches and watching the game, too, like, I don't know. He didn't have that my ball mentality that you kind of talk about. Like, he just didn't have that. We, we, we just dogged on like Johnny Wilson for it. Like he just, yeah. I don't know. Like sometimes he does have that, but sometimes he doesn't. I need him to figure that out. Uh, Brian Thomas though went for seven for eight, 142 yards and one touchdown. I don't remember if you were a fan of him at one point in time. I remember you talking about him mentioning him maybe like in the past. Do yeah, you think I, that I, uh, this is some sort of comeback? Like you think this is a, uh, you know, put, put him back on the radar, put him back on the sheets. No, I don't know. Because, like, he caught a long bong from Daniels when, like, the game was over. Um, without that, it would have been, like, a 6 for 60 type day, which, you know, which is pretty, like, par for the course or whatever. So there's just nothing here that I'm really in love with. He's a big, tall guy, lanky guy, that I don't think gets much separation. And, you know, that's an archetype that we've talked about that just doesn't really excel at the next level, at least in fantasy terms. Also, Kyron Lacey, by the way, flat out bad. I'm really hoping that he's replaced sooner than later. The guy who was like operating out of the slot a little bit in this game, like he's he's got to go, man. He had one good catch early, and people were like, "Look at that footwork!" Where he was like on the sideline, like, "What footwork?" I mean, I don't know what to call that. I'm not saying it was a bad play, but you were, you were going to call that footwork? Is that what people think? That's that's not footwork. Yeah, footwork. I also like quick feet in your breaks. That's footwork. That I don't know what that was. What people were calling that footwork? That was blowing my mind. Yeah, I also have no idea what they're doing with this running back room. I don't want any part of anybody that touched a ball in that backfield like, uh, two who, days ago. I didn't know who Trey would Trey, whoever Trey was. I was like, who is this guy? Trey Bradford. He like he, he was like they, suspended for a while. He came back. He's, yeah, it's just an ugly looking backfield. Didn't right he come now. from like, no I remember looking him up. Did he come from Oklahoma? Is that where he came from? I think from? so. Yeah, yeah, that's where he came yeah, from. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get off. Let's get off of LSU. Um, because we're getting kind of long here. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Um. There needs to be a missing person report out for Ja'Cory Brooks. Over two on his targets, only eight routes run. I hope, I hope everyone's listened to this podcast compared to the other podcasts in our feed. I'm going to call out the other podcasts in our feed because we're the only ones, me specifically, but Corey, Corey backs me up too. That Ja'Cory Brooks <laughs> and JoJo Earl have been sales for over a year now. So I hope you guys don't have any shares anymore. I hope you sold them off to fans of other outlets that still want to hype up Ja'Cory Brooks because he has an A on the side of his helmet. Go ahead and sell them. Okay, so Ja'Cory Brooks, he's dead. And someone started him in the league of record. I'll leave his name out, but someone started him, and I hope he starts him for our matchup too. <laughs> Going to the running back room real quick, Chase McClellan also, to me, didn't look good. I didn't like see the juice that I saw a little bit in, in uh, last year. Even in the spring, I thought he had a little bit more juice. He's looking real thick, actually. Uh, like, I think it's listed at 212. I'm, I'd be surprised if he wasn't heavier than that, but I, I was actually disappointed by Chase McClellan's performance. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I expected a little bit more out of it. I was pleasantly surprised that Justin Haynes got into this game a little bit, got into it a little bit early too, and got into it before Jamarion Miller. If I followed the game properly, I did watch the condensed version. I'm pretty sure he got in before Jamarion Miller, out touched him and out snapped him. If I'm not, I think it was only like by like what? Dam still has a nagging injury for his thigh, like a hamstring thing. I don't That's know. true too. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that that could have played a part here as well. But Justice did break off that like nice kind of like run as well or whatever. But it's it it's just nice to see hole. that. 
Oh. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice to see him at least getting some some involvement as well. But yeah, this is gonna be a team that runs a lot, especially with you know Jalen Milrow uh, at the helm here. Who I thought didn't have yes. that bad of a game, man. Like, no. uh, I like, and I will say like what he did. You know, even on that first touchdown run, bad snap, falls on the ground, he picks it up, he runs for a twenty yard touchdown. That's the upside that he brings that nobody else in this room brings. He can turn a nothing into something beautiful with like the way he can rush the ball, the way he can get out of it, his arm throwing it down the field if he needs to. Like he hooked up with Isaiah Bond, by the way, a bunch of times in this game too, who seems like is he the is he the wide receiver one in this offense? Why does he like yeah, wide he receiver is. two? Like he like is. dude, like, let's, he, like, let's like, overreact, dude. He's next, yeah, let's overreact. Next the model, bro. Get him. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's my that's a definitely stock up here because I think we're all trying to to figure out who is gonna be like the next guy. And Isaiah Bond played like what 23 snaps, like the most snaps, I'm pretty sure, of this whole wide receiver core. Got like the most targets as well, if I'm not mistaken. But Burton had yeah. a pretty okay game too. But Burton always beats up on G5 teams. That's always what he does. Let's see what happens once we get the conference play, if he can right. keep up that play. But um, regardless, I, I, I like that was my big takeaway from this wide receiver room. I actually thought Jalen Milrow was better, looking better at throwing than I've seen him throw before in the past. Like some nice, like yeah. sharp balls there. Like I was. I was actually very excited about his throwing and I know you kind of hyped up his running. I, I didn't think like that run to me, like he didn't have any juice on that run. Like it, I watched that run. I thought like 80% of teams D one wouldn't have let that become a touchdown. <laughs> I, I really maybe, thought maybe. that, uh, but I, I still don't, I don't want to like, I think he's still a good runner. I just couldn't believe he scooped up that ball for, I think it was like a 30 some yard touchdown run. I was like, how's that, how did that even happen? I'd be so mad yeah. as a coach. I really would be. Um, Malik Benson, only one catch for five yards. Uh, he had 10 snaps on the, uh, just 10, 10 routes run on a team. They took care of pretty good too. I'm surprised you didn't get more run than that. So it was bond for 22 routes run burden for 20 Amari Nyblack for 19. And then Benson was third with 10 routes run. Yeah. Murray and I black had a pretty good game. This, I don't, you know, we don't really talk about tight ends, but we did actually yeah. talk about them during our previews. <laughs> yeah, I, so I messaged in our chat play. today, watching his touchdown play three wide receivers lined up six dudes in the secondary. I pause it, show my coworker. And I'm like, what do you think happens? And he's just like, I mean, these guys are covered. They're going to throw and they're going to attack. Like he just ran through the middle. No one picked him up. He ran through two linebackers, ran through two safeties. No one thought to cover him. And then he's just wide open for a touchdown. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I, I will just say he played 20 snaps to Dupree's nine. Amari Black yes. is the starting tight end for this. For this team. He is. He absolutely is. Yeah. All right. That's it for Alabama. Let's head over real quick. Do some real fast ones here. Kentucky. Uh, I Obviously, I watched the game. I'm a Kentucky fan. Devin Leary did not look good. Like, I want to say he was like eight for 20 to start off like in the half, like first half. And I was like, kind of really getting worried about him. Uh, came out looking better. Dane Key was the main target, five for eight targets for 91 yards, 96 yards, and one touchdown. Brandon Brown was like quiet outside of uh, some kick returns, three for six for 39 yards. Um, but Ray Davis is who I really want to talk about here. The running back, 14 rushing attempts for, I think, 109 yards and two touchdowns. He didn't look as good as that stat line says. I just think this offense – knew they can get away with making mistakes and they made a lot of mistakes, but still came out on top to win because of raw talent. But uh, Kentucky, I'm, I'm still looking at to, to pick it up. Did you watch the Kentucky yeah. game at all, Corey? I did actually. I messaged in the chat because you know I've been a Ray Davis guy for a long time. Well, I mean, just like a, just like a supporter, I guess, you know, it's not like I'm here yeah. touting counting him as hard as I used to, but um, I thought he looked okay this game, man. I said, he, he he's wearing those Kentucky blues. He's looking pretty spry all of a sudden. Like I thought when I watched him at Vanderbilt last year, I thought he, you know, Lost a little bit of athleticism from, you know, with the injury that he had. But 
he looked he looked okay this year. Like uh, he made some nice cuts um, in the backfield, waiting for the hole to open up. He made the thing that that lacks from him, I think, is he doesn't have that deep speed. You saw him when he broke away. I was about to say it's the bird. Yeah, yeah, he got caught from behind pretty well. And I think some of the athleticism is sapped, but I think he's a small, a smart player. You know, he doesn't have that suddenness. Yeah. But you know, I think he does the little things well. You know, not not unlike the Kentucky backs before him. You know what I mean? Benny Snell and, and um, Chris Rodriguez. They all do the little things really well, even if they kind of lack that athleticism. Head on over to Old Miss. Um, Jackson Dart looked great. Did you want to talk about Jackson Dart? I know you were probably a bigger uh, holdout, saying that he still got it. I thought he looked phenomenal. Yeah, he did look phenomenal. But how much can we take away from this Mercer game anyways? He did exactly what you have to do um, if I'm expecting him to see the trajectory that I want to see. You know, he annihilated this uh, <laughs> this uh, secondary. Uh, yeah. It's hard to take anything away from this matchup, but at least a good start for him. Well, I just want to give him kudos because I really beat up on him last year for not doing well against Troy. And then Troy came yeah. out to be like one of the best G5 defenses last year. So I was wanting to give him some props for that. Uh, true freshman, Ada Williams, seven targets this game, but only two catches for 42 yards. It's worth noting the involvement. Uh, I'm not a fan, obviously. We talked about him for impact freshman. Going over to Georgia, we got two more schools left, guys. Georgia having running back issues with health. Like what, what else is new for Georgia? But true freshman Roderick Robinson got on the field, eight attempts for 50 yards and a touchdown. I didn't watch the game. It was on my list of condensed games to get to, but I watched like six. And I couldn't watch any more than that. Did you watch any Georgia at all? I watched the Tennessee Martin, you know, obviously not, not a game to take a, a whole lot back from. Um, I thought Carl looked, I think he were there and safe. He was efficient. Didn't, you know, push the ball at all, at all, didn't push the limits, you know, zero turnover worthy plays, but zero big time throws as well. So just like an all around solid game, right? He, he really wasn't pushed outside the boundary. This isn't the type of setting that we want to see. This is the kind of setting we're pretty sure he's going to do good at, which he did. Um, when it came to the running backs, I thought, I, I hate to say it, man, but Kendall Milton looked okay today. <laughs> he looked pretty impressive. <laughs> I thought he looked better than Roderick at times. But again, I mean, this guy's so far in his career. He's shown these flashes before. Uh, let's just stay healthy and we'll, we'll talk about you a little bit more halfway through the season if you can at least stay healthy to that point nice seeing roger robinson get here i thought the wide receivers were interesting i just want to say snap leaders at wide receiver okay your top three guys dominic lovett with 27 he turned that into three for 25 arian smith with 27 took five targets for zero catches more of a deep ball guy and dylan bell 22 22 snaps took it three for 32 so those three lined up as your top three guys in this georgia offense which i thought was kind of interesting but um no lad McConkey in this game as well. So when he comes back, he'll probably end up taking up one of these spots as well. But I like to see Dylan Bell getting a little bit of usage there. So you're you're the Dylan Bell fan here in the company. I think you were kind of been quiet about him lately. Do you do you have any decision or overreaction that you think he's an NFL guy or like are you just still monitoring him? monitoring i have him in like a few leagues i haven't overly drafted him in traditional daily leagues so it's not like i'm like fully in but he's just he, he's got like a running back build at wide receiver like he could almost be like like a like a, i hate to say it <laughs> a debo samuel type but <laughs> oh, the next debo but um, we'll just we'll reach that point when we get to it the five starters by the way was arian smith dylan bell and mecca muse um and then they also listed for starters Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp. So thought that was cool. Delp got out there as a starter. That's my guy. Um, yeah. Going on to the last school I really want to talk about here is Cincinnati. Uh, Xavier Henderson was a non-year one zero, was a top 20 uh, recruit. Went off for seven for 149 and one, uh, building off that connection with Emory Jones. 
he was second in route runs for his team. I just want to ask Corey, do you think there's a bounce back here or is this just a, just a false flag? He could definitely be, man, because like Florida never did a really good job with these type of really big raw athlete wide receivers. There could there could be something here with uh, with Xavier Henderson over here. Not like he's gonna be a third round pick or second round pick, but I think he could possibly continue this trend of production with Emory Jones there and, and with Cincy. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I don't interesting to watch him though. Cincinnati does again one of those G five teams that does develop talent that do get guys on a national scale. So I, I love this for his Debbie value. And I think he can definitely make it to the league if he keeps this up, obviously, and then get some invites to some bowl games. But like, I'm not looking for him to do anything at the next level. But I actually loved that this might be somewhat of a bounce back for his stock. Not super positive on his fantasy impact next level, though. Uh, I did just want to give a little bit of love to one last guy to talk about a, a true freshman over at BYU, running back LJ Martin. He played 19 snaps to Aiden Robbins' 10 snaps, who we thought was going to be the starter this year. Took that for 16 for 97 yards, 6 to 205. This guy had a lot of offers from Power 5 schools. You know, we've seen what BYU has done with guys like Algier, and we're constantly trying to target the next guy in this backfield. Like, LG Martin as a true freshman, at least to put, at least put on the radar. Please don't confuse him with LJ Johnson, the failed running back from Texas A&M, now with SMU. LJ Martin for... BYU. Guys, that wraps up our show for tonight. I know this is a long one. Real sorry about that. We just had, I just got overzealous with the show sheet and I wanted to write every single school down known to man. Corey will be, well, Corey's already mad at me, but we will be making this shorter and more specific here for next week. Don't forget about your promo code for Campus to Ken with Homefield Apparel. That's the word, Campus number two, and then Canton. Thank you guys for joining us and from Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.